Welcome to Clinical Lab Chat, part of the MedCore Podcast Network. I'm Chris Wolski, Director of Business Intelligence for CLP, and today I'll be speaking with Dr. Sarah Nasseri, co-founder and CEO of women's health company Quinn, about the potential of using menstrual blood for health monitoring and early diagnostics. Sarah is a graduate of Denmark's Aarhus University's Medical School and has been involved in a number of theoretical research and practical experimentation projects at universities in Europe, the U.S., and Asia. This is all prior co-founding Quinn. And she has been recognized for entrepreneurial work by both the EU and her home country uh, of Denmark. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, So Sarah, welcome to Clinical Lab Chat. I'm so glad you're sharing this really intriguing and revolutionary test with our our clinical uh, lab listeners. So let's... uh, Thank you so much for having me, Chris. I'm very excited. No, this is is great. When I I saw (laughs) this, when this crossed my desk, I said, this is really... Yeah, you know, we, we always talk about cutting edge tests or, or cutting edge ideas. This this really really was something, and I said, uh, "I've got I I need we need to talk we need to talk to Sarah about this." So, um, menstrual blood is really considered a nuisance and a waste product uh, by women, and it's just a biological process and, and, and irrelevant uh, in many cases uh, for the the medical establishment. Now, how did you come up with the idea? of using menstrual blood as a way to monitor women's health with this as a background. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so Chris, I was actually in medical school uh, at the time. And uh, of course, I was aware from my own experiences uh, doing clinical work at the time, but, but also, of course, going through medical school was aware that, you know, catching things early is important for clinical outcomes for any, any condition, Right. Right. And the challenge really is how do we catch things early before symptoms arise in, where we can really truly be preventative. And at that time, there was all these, you know, new, newer things happening. You could test your microbiome and those other, you know, exciting uh, movements of this kind of how getting information about our bodies outside the doctor's office uh, happening. But in my mind, not always very, at the time at least, clinically relevant. And so I really wanted to sort of say, you know, how can we get this information about our bodies outside the doctor's office before symptoms arise regularly and make sure that it is actually clinically relevant? Um, and of course, blood being the most commonly used bodily fluid for, for, you know, diagnostics, that was on my mind. And then one day it sort of hit me that, hold on a minute, half of the world bleeds every month. Why has nobody, why has nobody used that? And that led me on this journey. You know, the first thing you do, you look at PubMed, what has been published about this topic. And Chris, I was surprised to see how little information that was really out there on the diagnostic utility of menstrual blood. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I was puzzled by that, but also intrigued. And that sort of led me on the the next, you know, at this point, you know, roughly 10 years of, of my life. Of really understanding what this can do for for patients, right, right, and and uh, yeah, and that and you know, and talk about non invasive, you know, it, it, as yeah. well. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, you know, I checked out the Quinn device. I went on the website and checked it out. And the design is really interesting uh, it, because it's familiar, but also it, familiar in a couple of different ways. It's really, I think, it's, the packaging is very interesting, etc. Can you uh, explain how the device works and then also how the test is processed? Absolutely. You know, I think when we sat down, once we understood the diagnostic utility and that there certainly is a, a really interesting opportunity here with, with utilizing menstrual blood, the next thing was how do we capture that and how do we, you know, build a medical device that can conveniently collect a sample, 
and um, and be processed, right? And so right. wanted to make sure, you know, the moment we ask any patient to collect at home, first of all, it's super important that it's a very simple device that is bulletproof in every way, right? Because we're putting the responsibility in the hands of the of the patient. And so we we wanted to to make sure that it really was a simple uh, device. And so we built it. We call it the QPad. That's sort of the device. It looks, feels, and is used like a normal menstrual pad. So it's built on organic cotton. You know, it's a menstrual pad sort of a, as, a, as a function, right? But uh, the difference is that it has embedded a small collection device. So when women use it, like they would use any other menstrual pad, you know, when they, you know, say on average, women probably wear it for two to four hours. Once, they, it, once they're done, they kind of, um, they pull a little tab that removes that device. You throw away the pad like you would any other pad. Right. But that little collection device is put in a small container that it keeps the sample stable and is pre-stamped. You throw that in the mailbox and it comes to the lab. We process it and we give you your results back on a mobile app so you can sort of see over time how different uh, aspects of your health is changing. Right, right. And and this is, you could do it every month if you wanted to, I guess, or uh, whenever you, yep. you, you know, every three months or six months or however, however you want to do it. And it sounds like the, sy- the system is similar and, and not to name drop, but it's similar. And we talked about this in the uh, pre-interview a little bit more like uh, seeing commercials like that color guard uh, sort of thing where you have the little box and you, you send it, uh, you just put it in the post and you send it on. on I would say the, the collection device is well, it's different, different, but, but the, the process, the was... process. Yeah. yeah the the yeah, process to get back to the lab. Yeah. Yeah, 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 the idea of like yeah, collecting at home and sending it in in this like non-invasive way. Right, right, exactly. Okay, you're very right. Yeah. Okay. All right. So we we spoke a little bit about the pre in the during the pre-interview a little bit about the taboos that I think you expect and and probably are uh, are uh, coming up against with the Q pad. Um, you know, there are culture. You know, both in the United States and in in other parts of the world, there are cultures where menstrual blood it it's you know, it's it's a big taboo. You know, women are separated. Uh, it's it's really at least that's my understanding. You, you're the expert. Um, so, how do you ever overcome deep seated cultural bias involving uh, menstruation? And on the flip side, what does it mean for success? That is, what is it? What will overcoming these taboos mean for women's women's health? So, uh, let's let's talk about both. Sides. First, the negative. How do you overcome the the taboos that challenge those challenges? Absolutely. You're very right that there is still a stigma and a taboo. I think it is changing, but but it still exists, certainly. Right. And I think for us, you know, especially early on, it was that that barrier, we, we felt it, certainly. I remember when I, you know, left Denmark to come to Stanford University Hospital to do the, the some of this research. And some of my colleagues would look at me and, and you know, you're testing menstrual blood and, and almost like with a sort of that's gross. And then one of my colleagues actually was about to start a PhD doing thesis analysis. So I was like, hey, what are you talking about? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. Testing thesis, right? Yeah. Um, but I think the way you overcome that, and I think uh, I think what we've seen last, you know, all these years working with this is, you know, at the, at the end of the day, we have to think about what is how can this be helpful for patients, right? Right. And so is there a clinical utility? Can this help make healthcare, which which I really do believe it, the QPED can 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 do, is, is making healthcare accessible, right? Right. How can we you know, bring healthcare to to women all over the world and frankly that, that don't have access to healthcare or where getting access to healthcare is has barriers, right? 
Right. And at the end of the day, you know, we look at that and we have to be okay with, you know, even if it's a taboo, you know, it should be about how can we help the patients. And I think that's sort of where I'm coming from um, with this. And then, of course, as we've, you know, been doing the research, we are publishing the data. I think that also helps kind of destigmatize that this is not a waste product. It's not um, you know, a, a gross thing. It, it's actually an incredibly valuable opportunity in women's health. And right. one of the goals behind this company is, is, of course, first and foremost, to give information to to women about their health and, and hopefully help them know what's going on to be more, to enable them to be more preventative. But on top of that, you know, to enhance women's health as a whole, in terms of like what we know about different, you know, women's health conditions. And, um, and then, and then finally, you know, back to this topic of stigma, you know, I really hope that we, with this company can, um, can destigmatize menstrual blood and can sort of, you know, change the conversation uh, for generations to come that this is not a, you know, a, a shameful thing. This is actually a huge power. Now, you also, you come from Denmark, you know, you grew up in Denmark or you've lived most of your life in Denmark, went to medical yeah. school there. Of course, there's a lot of cultural differences in uh, Central and Northern Europe about health, uh, etc. I think there's a lot less, you know, get over it. There's kind of a get over it sort of uh, approach. At least that's my uh, my uh, experiences. I grew up in a, a medical household. Uh, one of my parents is a, a medical person. So, uh, you know, th- these kinds of conversations, this was dinner, this was dinner time conversation. So, uh, so, uh, you know, so it always strikes me when, when there's stigma, but maybe one thing to talk about uh, is what are you finding in the, what kind of tests can you, or what kind of things can you find out about uh, a, a woman from her, yeah. from her menstrual blood? What kind of diagnoses can you make? That's a great question, Chris. And I, I do think that, you know, we are frankly just scratching the surface of what's possible at this moment in time. You know, what we do know is that menstrual blood, you know, it's blood, right? So we have a right. lot of, you know, a lot of very relevant information in, in that, but not just blood. It also, you know, it's endometrial tissue, it's vaginal right. fluid. So there's actually a little bit less than 400 unique proteins in menstrual blood that, you know, um, are specific to uh, the reproductive organs. Um, so there's a lot of, uh, you know, very, like, interesting potential for diagnoses and, and information about women's health uh, present. I think, again, we're just scratching the surface, but I'll give you some examples of um, of basic clinical biomarkers that we have looked at and that we have sort of validated in a CLIA certified lab uh, here in Menlo Park. And, you know, hemoglobin A1C is, is an example, right? So your average right. blood sugar, you know, for diabetics, they have to go in and get blood draws on a regular basis to monitor that is also how we diagnose diabetes, right? We know today, and this is a, you know, partly the QPAD was FDA approved uh, recently, which we, of course, very excited about. Oh, that's great. Yeah, we received FDA clearance and um, in, it was specifically for the, the device, of course, but also uh, for hemoglobin A1C. So we definitely know mm. that, we can monitor your hemoglobin, your average blood sugar levels, as well as if you were to go in and get a venipuncture, right? So that's right. an example of a clinically relevant biomarker where women can get access to that just by having the period, which they are having anyway. So right. super, super awesome. And, and then, you know, other examples include thyroid hormone, you know, fertility hormones like AMH, LH, and FSH, right. um, hemoglobin. Um, we've published... A, on a number of these already. And I think a, a, another one that I'm very excited about, I think is a very important one actually is 
is screening for cervical cancer, right? We have a cancer that, you know, still today kills, you know, more than 300,000 women every year. And it's a cancer that is entirely preventable. And so how do we make screening accessible to women? And we have very, very encouraging data to show that we can essentially screen for this this cancer by just having women wear a a modified menstrual pad, you know? Yeah. Why not? And so, Yeah, I think there's a lot of opportunities. These are some of the examples. Yeah, yeah, and 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 a lot of those kind of tests that women are are interested in as well, and some of which are pretty. My understanding is are pretty can be pretty uh, invasive, uh, uh, particularly like fertility testing in in, in some cases. Um, all right, so uh, you talked about your you know congratulations, your FDA approved. So is the test available? Um, and where are you in the process of get, I know it's not, you know, it's not on every shelf, but, uh, where, where are you in the process of scaling up? So it's available both for women and also for labs to process when, when are, uh, when can lab, are labs going to be able to add this to their menu, uh, of, uh, test testing options? Yeah, we are sort of, so the, the clearance came just at the beginning of uh, this year, we announced it. And so. At this point, you can certainly um, you can purchase the QPad. It's it's on our website, uh, quinn.com, right. um, and we have sort of a small batch available. And uh, I'd say sort of on our end right now, it's really about kind of ramping up production so that we can uh, make bigger batches available. But but as of right now, you know you can go out, uh, go in and purchase the the QPad. Um, in terms of sort of partnerships and and working with labs, we'd love to hear from from labs that are interested in, in this technology and um, it would yeah definitely encourage to reach out. We, yeah. you know, we, our goal is to, again, make, make healthcare accessible. We want to reach women across the country and eventually, you know, even globally. And I think we are completely aware that that's not something we do on our own. So we, we welcome and encourage and really hope that there is um, good uh, partnerships and especially laboratories that uh, would be interested yeah. in working together on this. Yeah, I could see a lot of organizations that you could also work with, uh, uh, NGOs uh, overseas, uh, places exactly. here in the United States like Planned Parenthood, uh, et cetera, that, oh, that are working very, very hard to have accessibility uh, for not for, for a lot of uh, women's health services. Exactly. Um, all right. So let's back up a little bit. Uh, <laughs> Because you are, you've been an entrepreneur for a long time, and and it sounds like we talked about this in the pre-interview, kind of an accidental entrepreneur. <laughs> uh, we talked about that you're from Denmark, and being an yeah. entrepreneur and being an inventor and such that isn't something that's like I guess in the zeitgeist or, or the cultural atmosphere, I guess. Uh, so when you were a teenager. Uh, you developed a chemical compound that would absorb 99% of UV. Now, this is a little, we're getting a little off the, the clinical lab side of things, but I, I think this also really is interesting uh, about where you're coming from and, and how out, outside of the box thinking is, is really uh, interesting uh, or, or really important for, for uh, medical personnel. Uh, uh, now, does it surprise you that you followed this entrepreneurial out, uh, path? I think I already kind of answered it for you. And <laughs> would you encourage young scientists and medical people like yourself to pursue out-of-the-box approaches to diagnostic problems? Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely definitely encourage that. I think for me, I I did not in I did not predict that I would be you know going on this path of entrepreneurship and and running my own company. 
um, I it, and I will say it was not a dream of mine, as, as we also talked right. about. It was not, I did not grow up dreaming about moving to Silicon Valley and, you know, you know, and, and, and becoming an entrepreneur. That was never my dream. I think the accidental part really was, it came from a place of, I really, I, I see the problem. So that, at that point it was skin cancer and I had had, you know, experiences in my life with, a, you know, cases of that. And it bothered me deeply and it moved me. And I wanted to, I, I, in my, in my, you know, in my mind, it was like, we must be able to do better how can we prevent this? And and that it really came from that of like problem solving. How can we how can we improve right. this particular issue that that I'm that that means something to me personally, right? right. And and that sort of you know I think I think um, when you have that when you find something that you really want to change and in this world, then it really it makes it very it comes like it's like an internal passion almost that you can't stop. And I think that helps when you then go out and you sort of uh, try to execute on it. And there's a lot of barriers in that journey. But but um, I think because it was just, uh, it was rooted in in a passion to solve uh, particular problems, it, it it made it almost impossible not to, right? And so yeah, that was my experience. And I think, um, yeah, definitely not something I would have predicted that I would sort of be here in time. In time, yeah, and then and then and then you moved on to now the QPad, and and you founded a company, <laughs> and uh, so uh, you know it's um, uh, so it kind of uh, it seems like uh, really um, uh, be open to serendipity, I guess. Be be open, be I guess being open to uh, to these ideas flooding in, and then doing something with them. And maybe maybe that's the lesson. I don't know. So, I think uh, I think so, and I definitely think we need medical professionals to to think outside of the box, right? Because yeah. we need, you know, it, there are there's so much we can improve on, frankly, and we need input from medical professionals. And I think um, I remember one time being on on a panel and we were sort of discussing why medical professionals may not be as you know likely to jump into something like this, and and uh, I think. Um, Medical professionals actually have a lot of the characteristics that are very helpful in in, in pursuing yeah. and building companies, um, and so I think it's it, it's it's very important that we encourage that. I do think yeah. that it, that it, my experience with with uh, living in America is, and especially I mean this area that we live in here in San Francisco is that that there's a, there is a lot of that uh, sort of um, drive and and from medical professionals and and you know in general, but uh, let's I think. Uh, Let's get the rest of the the world and country, and you know, yeah. Let's, I, the more the better. Every person uh, in my mind has has ideas and uh, that, that that are valuable, and it's about believing in them, and then you know, of course, finding is in particular finding an issue that you're passionate about. Right, for sure, absolutely. So, what's next for Quinn, and what's next for you? <laughs> yeah i mean th those are somewhat the same in my mind right like yeah probably yeah <laughs> <laughs> well i'm i'm you know we're very excited on a personal level for the entire quinn that uh, quinn team that are working hard on this every day of course very very excited that that the, the fda clearance came through it's the first right. kind i think it's a big moment for us but it's certainly a big moment for for women's health right yeah. So we, at this point, it's really about now that we've shown that there is clinical utility in, in menstrual blood, we've shown that the, the QPAD collects it and it, it keeps it stable and it's consistent and, you know, at the same, um, you know, can sort of replace 
for something like hemoglobin A1C a venipuncture, it's really about like, how do we actually bring this uh, incredible innovation to women and uh, and really make healthcare accessible and, and convenient if for them to get information about their, their bodies uh, on a regular basis. And so yeah. the next step is, is really cracking that that part of it. Uh, yeah, of yeah. Well, I, I think this may be coming at a good time too because of COVID. Uh, you know, we've we've all, I'm sure you have, I have, we've <laughs> yeah. all taken little tests and we know how to do tests at home. Yeah. I mean, this, this test is, I, I, I do encourage uh, listeners, uh, whether you're medical people or, or, or not, who are listening to this to go onto the uh, Quinn website. That's uh, qvin.com, right? That's correct. Uh, uh, and check it out because it's really, it, it is probably the simplest test uh, you could you could do. I mean, it's just. I mean, there's one one little not exactly uh, exciting part that you have to do, but but for the most part, it, it looks like a pretty uh, collection is simple. Uh, sending it out is simple. It, it seems like a pretty uh, pretty uh, simple process, which adds to access. Which adds, you know, this is something I've talked. To, I talk a lot about this. Is something I'm interested in is is healthcare access for you know for everyone. We talked about it and the Lancet. Um, uh, survey that was done a couple of years ago, 40% of the people in the world can't even get basic tests. Diagnoses are responsible for 70% of treatment decisions. Yeah. You know, that's, you're missing out a lot. There's a lot of people suffering uh, needlessly and for, for simple things like they can't get A1s. And this is basic stuff. This was like A1C tests and mm-hmm. things of that sort. Yeah. Uh, this seems like, you know, this is just uh, really, uh, I mean, you, you might've, found a really great way to to add uh, to accessibility and and really uh, meet that meet that goal. So um, that's the goal. That's the goal. Yeah. I would say we've probably tested more than a thousand women at this point, Chris. We, you know, part of the FDA clearance, you run usability testing, right? And I think one of the right. things that was really interesting. You know, there are requirements in terms of what you know the information instruction booklet should be for the patient that is collecting at home. And one of the feedbacks that, you know, that we got from women were like, well, you know, this is so simple. I, I know how to use a menstrual pad, you know, don't, you, you don't, right, need to, right. you know, that really, I know, yeah. I think it, for the team working really hard every day on this, it was kind of a, 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 a great moment in time to be like, we've built a very simple way to collect blood. Uh, oh, it's, yeah. it's, 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 yeah. I mean, <laughs> as you say, no brainer. I mean, really, it's really interesting. I, again, I, I really do encourage everyone to go on, on the website and check it out. I mean, it, it, whether, whether you're a man or a woman, I mean, I, I, I find it really fascinating just in terms of a, as a, as a, a collection device, it was just really, uh, really fa- fascinating and, and a heck of a lot less, painful than a uh well i guess le- uh, le- simpler than a venus punt i would say painful, or, or but, a pap smear, but right? yeah yeah oh yeah perhaps <laughs> yeah so um right so there you go so well this is a very excellent conversation i really enjoyed this and unfortunately we've come to the end of our time uh sarah thanks again so much for sharing uh about your work and your background i i am really Really encouraged by by this and, and your 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 quest for accessibility uh, for women's health, and which I think is a really important issue. And um, I can't I can't wait to see what you do next. Keep keep me informed. Uh, you and your team keep me informed, and and maybe we'll have you back on the show again. And uh, I also want to thank you, the laboratory audience, for listening. 
look for more episodes of Clinical Lab Chat in the future and visit us online at clpmag.com and on all of the major social media platforms. So until next time, be well.